Turn with me to the Gospel of John chapter 6, please. John chapter 6. In 1986, when the Lord first began to deal with me with my sin, when He first began to reveal His mercy and His grace and His forgiveness for my sin, when He began to show me who Christ was, I began to rejoice in what Christ had done for a sinner like me. The rumor among my friends and acquaintances at that time was David Edmondson has found religion, but that's not so. I had found religion many years before that, as a young boy, matter of fact. This was something much more than religion that I had found. Let me rephrase that, that it found me. Brother Mahan once said that religion is as much a part of man's nature as any other emotion. Religion is as common an emotion as fear and hate and love and jealousy and even hunger and thirst. Religion is no different. It, it's an emotion. All men and women everywhere are religious to some degree about something. Religion is defined as a belief or practice forming someone's thoughts about worship. Well, men worship everything today. Men and women alike. Religion can entail worship of a divine being or it can entail worship of a tree stump. And I'm not trying to be cute because I know a man that says that he heard from God standing next to a tree on a golf course. That's now where he goes to pray. He made that tree an object of worship. That's what I'm saying. Folks can be religious about anything and everything. They can make a God out of ridiculous things. And when they do, they imagine God to... Uh, to be altogether like themselves, and they begin to worship that object religiously. Now, here in John chapter 6, the Lord Jesus is conversing with the Jewish people, and in verse 32, John 6 32, he tells them, He said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread, speaking of the manna that fell in the wilderness. He said, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. You know, there was a lot of Jewish people that worshipped Moses, that worshipped Abraham. The Lord saying, Moses didn't give you that bread. My Father in heaven gave you the true bread. I'm that true bread. Listen to what He said. Verse 33, For the bread of God is He which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. And then said they unto Him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And the Lord Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to Me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on Me shall never thirst. But I say unto you that ye also have seen Me and believe not. Now a man can know something that he doesn't believe, but he can't believe something that he doesn't know. Here the Lord says, you've seen me. I am the bread of heaven, but you don't believe. You don't believe that I am He. You don't believe that I am who I claim to be. 
They wanted the bread from heaven that gave life. They wanted the bread from heaven that would fulfill their hunger and their thirst forever. But they didn't want Christ. In verse 37, the Lord gives us the first use of the word all. There's three times in this passage or in this portion of Scripture where the word all is used. And the first use of the word all in this passage is this all speaks of all the ones that God is going to save. Verse 37, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and he that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. All. Not everyone in the world. Not everybody in the world. But all that the Father gave me, the Lord said. The Lord gave Christ a people before the foundation of the world. And all of them, every one of them, is going to come to Christ and be saved. And they will not be cast out. All who the Father gave, Christ came to save. All the world? No. All the Father gave to Christ. All that come to Christ. And they all will. All who will never be cast out. This is the will and purpose of God. Verse 38, For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of Him that sent me. What's the Father's will? Look at verse 39. This is the Father's will which hath sent me, and here's the second use of the word, all, that of all which He hath given me, I should lose nothing but should raise it up again at the last day. What's the Father's will? Pretty plain and simple right here on the pages of Scripture. All which the Father sent me to save are going to come and be saved. Verse 40, And this is the will of Him that sent me, that everyone, all that the Father gave to Christ, which seeth the Son, they're all going to see Christ, they're going to believe on Him, that they might have everlasting life. And He said, I'll raise them up at the last day. I love the certainty of the Gospel. It's for sure. It's for certain. Paul wrote that the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Our Lord said, let another come in His own name and Him you'll receive. That's always been the case. There's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are what? The ways of death. Man's natural religion is based on logic. Man's religion is based on natural understanding. The carnal natural mind, Paul said, is enmity against God. You know what the word means. It means hostile. Man's natural mind, man's natural opinion, the logic of man is hostile against God. The ways thereof are death. The carnal natural mind, what a... It's not subject, it's not submissive to the law of God and neither indeed can it be and man says, I see it this way. This is how I see it. How many times have you had somebody tell you that? Well, this is how I see it. And you tell someone the truth from Scriptures and they say, well, that's not the way I see it. But 
That's not what my church believes. How about that one? You ever heard someone say that? What God says in His words is all that matters. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter what your church believes. What does God say? Verse 41, the Jews then murmured at Him because, this is why, He said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And look at what they said. They said, they said Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that He saith, I came down from heaven? So you see the natural logic in their thinking? And we can't be too hard on them because we'd have done the same thing. How did He come down from heaven? Well, he's, he's from Nazareth. He's, this is Jesus. He's the son of Joseph. His, his mom knows my mom, and my dad knows his dad. His father and mother we all know. How is it that He said, I came down from heaven? How can that be? That's what's wrong with man's logical thinking. It's based on man's logic, man's thinking. Naaman, you remember Naaman? The great war hero. He came to the prophet of God to be healed of his leprosy, Elijah. And Elijah, the prophet of God, he wasn't impressed. God's not impressed with men. <laughs> he came to the prophet of God. He didn't even come out to see this man. He, he rode up with all his mighty horses and chariots and big to-do. I'm telling you, it was a parade out to Elijah's house. And Elijah said, told his servants said, go out there and tell him to go dip in the River Jordan seven times. And boy, that made Naaman mad because he was somebody. He was an important man. He was special in man's way of thinking. But not God's. God's not impressed with man. Elijah sent his servant out, go wash in the river seven times, and Naaman got mad. And I'm sure he thought, doesn't he know who I am? Oh yeah, he knows. Naaman said, remember what he said? He said, I thought. <laughs> That's, that we're, we're in trouble right there. That's where we go wrong, we think. He said, I thought. To me, it's logical that, that he should come out and make a big to-do over me. Why? I thought he'd come out and stand before me. I thought he would show me a little respect here. I thought that He would lay His hand upon me. I thought that He would call on His God in my presence. I thought He would perform some ceremony. I thought. doesn't have anything to do with what you and I think. What man thinks. Salvation and deliverance has nothing to do with our sinful logic. Abraham defeated the kings of the plains and their mighty army with 318 men. Is that possible? Well, it's certainly not logical. <laughs> Israel brought down the mighty walls of Jericho with trumpets, people marching in a shout in unison. Logic says that's impossible. <laughs> not with God, it's not. Shamgar, as we've seen in our study of Judges, defeated 600 Philistines with a farm tool. That's all it was, ox gold. It was a, a piece of wood with a little blade on the end of it that they used to 
move livestock and get them to go where they wanted to go, lead them in the gate and that type of thing. Defeated 600 Philistines with it. Well, what about uh, Samson? He killed a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of an ass. Gideon, with 300 soldiers, defeated 120,000 Midianites with trumpets, clay pots, and lanterns. Why, well, that's illogical. That's impossible. That's invalid. That, that has to be incorrect. Well, let me tell you, things are not as we think they are. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. Are they? God's ways are not our ways. God's ways are past finding out. We can't logically understand the things that God does. With God, all things are possible. Nothing impossible with God. Things are as God says they are. Verse 43, Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. You're doing exactly what dead men do. You're using your natural reasoning. You're responding to these things with the logic of a natural man. With God, you can throw your logic out the window. God is not understood with human reasoning. He's not explained with natural explanation. And He can't be fathomed with human rationality. He just can't be. Verse 44, God says, now look, you know this. No man can come to me. Man reasons why well, I can come go as I please. Jesus Christ said, No man's able, no man can come, no man has the ability to come to me. Man says, Well, where there's a will, there's a way. <laughs> the Lord says, You cannot come to me for life, because all men by nature are dead. No man can come to me. No man will come to me because man is dead in sin. Man doesn't have the ability to come and man doesn't have the will to come for one simple reason. He's dead. Only one way a dead man can come to Christ. There's only one exception. He said no man can come except, here's the exception, that the Father which sent me draw him. Whatever his natural ability, his natural heritage, tradition, race, age, no man, no woman can come to Christ to believe on Christ. Can't do it. God must give a man life in order for that man to come. You know, if a dead man could take the first step, he could walk all the way to, to Frankfurt. But it's taking that first step. And a dead man can't take it. God has to first draw that man and He does so by giving that man life. And then He gives them the ability and then He gives them the will to come. But it all begins with God's doing. God initiates the life. Verse 45, it's written in the prophets, and they shall all, that's the third all, they shall all be taught of God. You know, I've thought about that a whole lot lately. 
All that the Father gave to Christ, none of them shall be lost. All of them are going to be saved. And now we see that without exception, all of them shall be taught of God. Every man and every woman, all of them, therefore that hath heard, he says, hath learned of the Father. And what do they do? They come to me. If you're taught of God, if you learn of God the Father, you're going to come to Christ. How do I know I've come to Christ? I've been taught of God. How do I know I've been taught of God? I come to Christ. Everyone that hath heard, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear, our Lord said. How shall they hear without a preacher? The Lord said, Blessed are your ears, for they hear. All that hath learned of the Father, all that's been taught by Him, all of them, every single one without exception, will come to Christ. It's written in the prophets. That's what the Old Testament teaches and declares. It's God who teaches His people. Let me read you a few verses here. Isaiah 2.3 Come ye and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and He will teach us His ways and we will walk in His path. Who does the teaching? God does the teaching. What do His people do? They follow Him. They come to Christ. They walk in His paths. Isaiah 54.13 And all thy children shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be the peace of those children. Who teaches God's people? God does. And they have peace. The peace of a a child who's under the care of of his father that loves him. Jeremiah 31, 33, 34. After those days, saith the Lord, I'll put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and, and will be their God and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no man ever They shall no more teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. Who taught them? God did. Micah 4.2 Come and let us go into the mountain of the Lord and to the house of God, the God of Jacob, and He'll teach us His ways. And we'll walk in His paths. Jesus Christ is the path. Jesus Christ is the way, and He's the Good Shepherd, and all His people do what? Follow Him. Christ and Him crucified. That's the message of the Gospel and salvation that God teaches sinners. You see, mankind by nature is ignorant. Now, I I know that's offensive to some folks. That offends many people, but it shouldn't because the the word ignorance just simply means uh, a lack of knowledge. It means a lack of awareness. It means to be uneducated in a particular thing. Now, I've gotten on an airplane before and, and flown to California. Not recently. <laughs> but uh, but I don't know how an airplane flies. I couldn't tell you all the ins and outs of an airplane flying, but I know they fly. I, so you could say that I'm ignorant of how airplanes fly. It means, ignorant means to be unknowledgeable, uninformed. I'm unknowledgeable on those things. I'm uninformed as to how airplanes fly. You, you can't know everything about everything. Now, there are some that think they do, but they don't. And in some way, all of us are ignorant about something. And all of us by nature are ignorant of God and His righteousness. 
So God must teach us. The Lord said, uh, you go about to establish your own righteousness. You're ignorant of the, right, of the righteousness of God. You can't attain righteousness by something you do. God's got to teach us that our righteousness is found in Christ. He was made sin for us and we were made the righteousness of God in Him. No other way. All of us by nature are ignorant of God and His righteousness. Turn back a page. You may not have to turn. John chapter 5. Look at verse 40. You know this verse well. We've already alluded to it. He says in John 5 verse 40, And you will not come to Me that you might have life. Now listen, men and women will not come because they cannot come. They don't have any ability to come. And they have no will to come because they have no life to come. They can't take that first step until God gives them life. The Lord told the religious in His day, you search the Scriptures for in them, that be in the Scriptures, you think that you have life. But friends, God has to teach you that the Scriptures testify of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a book about Him. It's all about Him. From, from uh, where the Lord said, the seed of the woman... Until the end of the book. The end of this book in Revelation. The Lord made that perfectly clear. This is a hymn book. Men by nature. Look at verse 42. The Lord says, But I know you that you have not the love of God in you. You see, men by nature, all they love titles. Pastor, elder, doctor, reverend, rabbi. Christ told the Pharisees, He said, you love the praise and the recognition of men. It's a sure sign that you have not been taught of God. Our Lord told the Pharisees, you love to be seen of men and you seek not the honor that comes from God, but the honor that comes from men. You're religious and you're ignorant. You claim to know everything, but you don't know nothing. And this is the root of the problem. Ignorance. Spiritual ignorance. Paul told Timothy that men are ever learning and never coming to the knowledge of the truth. They have a, they have a need of being taught of God. And a sinner cannot come to Christ until they are. <laughs> it's written in the prophets, they shall all be taught of God and every man that hath heard and learned of the Father, does what? Comes to Me. No man can come to Christ in saving faith unless he's been taught of God and learned of the only One who can teach us. So, who's salvation of? It's, is it of man? Or is it of God? I have a friend who's a, a state-recognized and award-winning educator. He's uh, been Teacher of the Year many times. He's since retired. But he can only teach. A good teacher he is. I had him in school. He's a good teacher. But he can't give anyone the ability to learn. See what I'm saying? God has to do that. 
And only God can. Only God can give life to the dead and give a dead sinner the ability to learn and understand because men by nature are without understanding according to Romans 1.31. Speaking of the Gentiles who were without Christ, Paul wrote, having their understanding enlightened or having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that's in them, because of the blindness of their hearts. And after the Lord resurrected, He met with His disciples by the seashore. Remember that? And He said, These are the words that I have spoken to you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the Law of Moses and in the Prophets and in the Psalms. That's the Old Testament concerning Me. They're all concerning Me. Then opened He their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. You'll never understand the Scriptures until God opens your understanding. Until you're taught of God. If you're sitting here this morning and you're nodding your head, it's because God's taught you. And God has opened your understanding. We must have the eyes of our understanding enlightened that we may know what is the hope of His calling and what is the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of His power to usward who believe according to the working of what? His mighty power which He wrought in Christ. Today we have men and women who desire to be teachers of the law understanding not what they say. 1 Timothy one seven. That's a real problem. A real problem. They need to be taught of God. They call themselves teachers, but they need themselves to be taught of God. The world by wisdom knows not God. It pleased God by what? The foolishness of preaching. What the world calls foolishness to save them that believe. This is how sinners are taught of God. What we're doing this morning. And there's nothing special about me. Matter of fact, Mike and I were talking about this earlier this week. I can study till I can't sit in my chair any longer and I can come up with what I think is a brilliant outline to bring to you. But if God doesn't bless it, and if God doesn't give you ears to hear, and if God doesn't give you life and a heart to believe, the words are just empty words. They come out of my mouth and fall right here on the pulpit. And nobody is saved. Nobody, but with God sends those words forth with His power and gives life to those words. That's when men and women are blessed. Because they're taught of God, not of me. I don't have the ability to make you understand anything. Our Lord said, and everyone that hath learned of me, or hath heard of me, and learned of the Father will come to me. So, in closing, I want to ask you three or four quick questions. How does God teach us? Well, I've got a three-part answer to that, but I'll be brief. Um, God teaches us by His Word. Just what we've just said. These things are written that you might believe on the Son of God and believing you might have life through His name. That's how. Through the Word. How does faith come? By hearing. And hearing by what? The Word of God. That's how. Isaiah wrote, If they speak not according to...
to the Word, the Word of God, it's because there's no light in them. Isaiah 8.20 Friends, if you are ever to hear from God or to be taught of God, it will be in and by and through this Word. Either the preaching of it, the studying of it, the reading of it. But it's going to be through this Word. That's what God said. He sent Philip to the eunuch. He sent Peter to Cornelius. He sent Ananias to Saul. God's going to send His people a preacher. God reveals divine things through human instruments. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. It was God who gave some prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. For what? The perfecting, the maturing of the saints for the work of the ministry. His ministry. I don't have a ministry. Somebody asked Brother Montgomery one time. I've told you this. So what do you attribute your ministry to? He said, my ministry? I don't have a ministry. This is the Lord's ministry. He's just made me an under-shepherd of, of, a, of a handful of people. And it's all I can do to, to watch over them. But we're not building our ministries. This is the Lord's ministry. And only those that are taught of God will ever see it. It's God who gives prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Oh, for the edifying of the body of Christ, Ephesians 4.12. How about this? Of His own will, speaking of God, beget us, He beget us, God beget us, with what? The Word of truth. That's how you're going to be saved. That's how you're going to have new life. God teaches thirdly by His Spirit. When He, the Holy Spirit, has come, He'll convince the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. When God's Spirit comes, He's going to glorify Christ. He's going to take the things of Christ and He's going to show them to His people. He's going to teach these things to God's children. He's not going to speak of Himself. He'll speak of Christ. You know, I hear men and women alike all the time talking about the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Doing miracles and wonders by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was sent of God to guide sinners unto truth. He shall not speak of Himself. He'll speak of the things of Christ. His person. His incarnation. His life. His teachings. His death. His resurrection. His ascension. His return. God teaches sinners by His Word, by His ministers, by His Spirit. A man's always talking about the Holy Spirit. I don't believe knows the Holy Spirit. I don't believe knows the God of the Bible. Because he, if, he, if He did, He'd be speaking of Christ as the Holy Spirit did. Second question. What does God teach those that He saves? Well, He teaches us something of His holiness his glory, His majesty, His sovereignty, and His power. You know, six times in Isaiah chapter 5, Isaiah said, said, Woe unto them. Woe unto you. Woe unto them. Woe unto you. Woe unto them. Woe unto these that do this. Woe unto them that don't do that. And then in chapter 6, verse 1, Isaiah said, In the king, in the year that the king Uzziah died, I saw also, he saw something, 
And I, I, I don't have time to go into what he saw, but he, he, he saw that his king was the king of kings, not King Uzziah, because King Uzziah died. And he said, I saw the Lord sitting high and lifted up on His throne and His train filled the temple. And he said, the seraphims, the angels covered themselves in the presence of this holy God. And the angels cried, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of all the earth, full of glory. And you remember what he said then? What he said then? He didn't say, Woe was them anymore. He said, Woe was me. That's what sinners will cry when they see the holiness of God Almighty. They'll see their sin and they'll cry, Woe was me. You know, the older we get, the longer we walk with this old nature, the more we'll see how holy God is and how sinful we are. That's why you ask a, an older saint that's been around a while, well, things getting better. Oh, not mine. Not seeing. Oh, I'm, I see clearer than ever that a sinner's what I am. You know, uh, after the Lord taught and saved the Apostle Paul, he said, I'm not worthy to be called an apostle. And then as he got a little older and he walked a little longer with the Lord, he said, yeah, I'm the least. I'm, I'm less than the least of all saints. And then as he walked on a little further and a little longer with the Lord and he's approaching death now, he, he said, I'm the chief of the sinners. Oh, wretched man that I am. You know, toward, I don't think I'm getting better. Do you? No, no I'm not. But I do see more clearly how holy God is and more clearly how sinful I am. Our understanding of sin is in direct proportion to our understanding of the holiness of God. When you see God to be perfectly holy and righteous, the more wickedness that you're going to see in yourself. We truly see our sinfulness and the certainty of death because of our sin. It's the, the wages of sin is death. Sin is going to bring about death. Not just physical death, but eternal death. And when we see the certainty of God's judgment and judgment against sin, by God's grace, we're going to desire to have Christ, the only substitute, sacrifice, and Savior for sin. Thou shalt call His name Jesus, for He shall save His people from their sin. Third question. Why must I be taught of God? Because <clears throat> I can't come to Christ if I'm not. A dead man can do nothing and we're spiritually dead. We've got to be taught of God because no one else can give us life so that we can come to Christ. We must be taught of God because no one else can give us the understanding and the life, that being eternal life, so that we can come to Christ. We've got to be taught of God because He alone is able to save us to the uttermost that come to Christ by Him. Everyone, all that hath heard, and everybody, all that is taught of God is going to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. So the question is, have you been taught of God? Have you come to Christ? Well, let me throw in one more question. How do you know if you've come to Christ? You're going to take of the water of life freely. The only ones that will freely take 
without attempting to do something to pay for it, to earn it, or to deserve it, are those that are thirsty. You won't have to beg a thirsty man to take a drink. If a man is thirsty, you hand him water, and he'll say, well, what do I need to do for it? No, sir. He'll take it and drink it. He'll lap it down like a dog, won't he? You better believe he will. A man's thirsty, he'll drink. Let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Have you taken of the water of life freely? Have you been taught of God? May God be pleased to make it so for His glory our good and for Christ's sake.